Well, good morning. Welcome to the gathering of the church. You are the church, and so it's good that we get to gather together. Um, last night around 6.30, I got a call from Ryan and Becky that her water broke and that they were on their way to the hospital with the boys. Um, and so Jess and I went to the hospital to pick up the boys and bring them back and feed them until uh, Becky's sister, and there they are back there, got here. Um, and the reason why I tell you that is we want to announce it's good news that little Augie has been born, but also Ryan was, Ryan was set to teach this morning, um, and so he was supposed to teach from First Timothy, um, so after we got home from all of that, we tried to figure out what was going on today, um, and so this is going to be, we'll see what happens, um, and so let me pray, uh, and then we'll, we'll chat. Um, So, our Father, we thank you um, that you love us. We thank you that in the midst of all the things going on in life, that you still are in control and that you guide us and that you are the one that disciples us. And so, Father, I pray that as we uh, talk about you today, as we look into your word, that you uh, would guide us, that your spirit would uh, use uh, each other to teach uh, one another uh, your goodness and your grace. Lord, I pray that um, you would be uh, in all of our time today pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not going to teach on 1 Timothy um, because there's too much to cover there in the section that Ryan was going to cover. Um, So I want to talk about actually um, uh, why we have Celebration Sundays. So once a month we have Celebration Sunday. It's part of one of the rhythms we do. And celebrating is actually one of the core values that we really have as a church, that we're people who gather together to celebrate God's extravagant blessings. We really believe that God calls people um, to regularly celebrate his goodness and his grace. We see that all throughout scripture. And so weekly, as missional communities, we gather together um, regularly. Um, We gather in our smaller DNA groups as well. And and regularly, as a larger family, we gather on Sundays to share stories and to to celebrate all that God is doing. And then he's he's doing in and amongst us and, and to be equipped and to be reminded of the ways that we can celebrate who God is. And so... We, we want to invite everyone into those celebrations, and it's a way that we display God's glory when we invite them into that, and when we celebrate. And this isn't some new concept, if you have your Bibles, because we don't have any projector today either, and that just kind of threw my brain off as well. Um, so you can open up your, whatever you got there, your phone uh, or your Bible, and I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 2, um, verse 42 through 47. And this is one of the things we're going to see the first church actually doing is they're a celebratory people that gather together often. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is what it says. And they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so we see in this first church, 
they 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 are people that celebrate together they meet together often they they spend time praying together they spend time eating together they're doing all these things in hebrews god is writing churches he teaches them how to live hebrews chapter 10 says this verse 24 and 25 And let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we see God calling people to be a people that that would gather together often and that that would celebrate who He is and remind each other of who He is. And so a little while ago, and as a way as we're thinking about it as a church, we, we practically, how could we live this celebratory life out together in our public gatherings? We decided that, that once a month, one Sunday a month, we would set some, some extra time aside in our gathering um, to celebrate who God is and to encourage one another and to allow really the Holy Spirit to teach um, in and among all of us. We, we truly believe in the priesthood of all believers, that, that God is working and teaching through all of his people. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we share, as we encourage one another, we help build up and we help equip each other. And so we're going to do that this morning. You're going to have an opportunity to share what God has been teaching you through the good times, through the hard times. Maybe it's something that you've seen him do in the life of someone else. Maybe it's Maybe it's a word of scripture that you've been reading this week or that really stuck out to you that, that God reminded you. And so in a few minutes, we're going to have some time to share those things, to, to really encourage one another. And as a family, we're also going to have a meal together. We see that that was happening often in the book of Acts. They were eating together. And so we want to, we want to try to image what we see in scripture. But before we do that, I, I want to just talk for a few minutes about really the theology of celebrations. Right, so why is celebrating so important? And I want to go back to the very beginning of God's story. And if you go back to Genesis 1, um, we see where celebration actually takes place in the story. In the very beginning, um, we see God on the scene, and then we see God create. In day one, God creates things, and then he says, it's good. In day two, God creates, and he said it was good. And day three, he creates and said it was good. Day four, day five says it was good. Day six, he says it's very good. Day six, we know that he created humans in image bearers. And he said this is very good. We see this pattern emerge as a God who, who celebrates as, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are stepping back really and they're, and they're celebrating and they're saying this is good. Not just like this is good, you know, it's okay. But no, like this is really good. Um, and then when we get to day seven, we see God rest. And I think as we think about this, I think we often get confused with this idea of rest. God wasn't resting because he was tired all of a sudden. He's like, man, all this work of creating, like, I really got to take a day off. Like, I'm just worn out. Like, my muscles are sore. Like, I can't do this anymore. I better take a day off. That's not the kind of God that we have he, where he has to rest. He's all powerful. He, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't need a nap. He doesn't take a day off. In fact, the Bible says he never stops working, that he's always working. What he's doing here when he's resting is saying, he's saying, I'm satisfied. I'm pleased with what I've made. I'm looking back over all that I've created, and I'm celebrating that it's good, that it's very good. As we think about the story, where, where in creation um, uh, comes the order, uh, before or after rest? Is creation before rest or after rest? Before, good. I was hoping you'd get that because I just told you that. 
right? And so that's a, yeah, that's a trick question. Um, what about his commands to humans to be fruitful and multiply, to play, to enjoy life, um, to, to, to exercise dominion over the earth? Where does that come, before or after rest? After, there we go, right? It's after rest. In fact, if you think about humans, actually, they start from a place of rest. Adam is dirt resting on the ground. Eve is taken out of a rib when Adam is resting. And then what happens is God makes them, he gives them life, he gives them a job to be fruitful and multiply and to take care of his stuff, and it all follows rest. The point is that the way God designed humans was that our doing our be, would, would really come out of our being, would come out of a place of rest. That everything we would do in life would come from our rest, our confidence in who God is. You see, when, when we're at rest, when you're, when you're at rest, we're not anxious. We're not afraid when we're resting. We're not worried. We don't, we don't need people to think highly of me when I'm resting and based on what I'm doing because God has said that we are already enough and that he has already told us that he is enough. That He said, you are my image bearers, that in Christ you are a new creation. You're a child of a king. You're a dearly beloved child. So that when that's the case, then, then all of your work all of your creations, all of your abilities come out of a place of rest. But then what's happened often is that we flipped it around. Right? We often work so that we can rest. We work so that we can have the weekend off. Right? We have this long weekend where we're all going to get a bunch of stuff done so I can get my four-day weekend. Or, or we only work so we have enough money so that we can play and take a vacation. Or we work so that one day I can then rest and retire. So we have this goal with the goal of of rest as the goal rather than starting in rest and living in light of rest. I think that's often how we live in our world. It's one of, I would say, one of the reasons why we start with the very first day of the week in gathering as God's people is so that we would celebrate and we would actually start with rest. We would remember, we would remind each other that Jesus has overcome sin and death and that that on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, it's really an echo back to creation when God said, it is good. I'm satisfied with it. It is enough. What was Jesus saying when he said it was finished is that now because of my death, because of my death, all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your need to impress is taken care of. You no longer need to be ashamed. Your sin has been removed and your guilt has been paid for. You don't have to have some pretense that you're trying to measure up to. to. You don't have to try to work hard anymore to do good. God says, I love you. You are loved. And I loved you when you were not even good. And now you get to rest. It is finished. There's an echo back to the very beginning of creation. I took care of it all now, Jesus is saying, and now you get to rest. You get to rest in the cross. And you get to rest in the cross because he didn't stay dead. He actually overcame sin and death. He rose and he paid it in full. And now you and I get to rest. You see, there's no need for us to go out and try to do something or to look, um, look for something in the world to make up for what you lack now. You have it all in Jesus. You have the love of God and you don't have to earn it and you get to rest. 
you and I who, who know Jesus have been given the highest position. The Bible says that those of us who are in Christ have been raised with Jesus in the heavenly realms. I don't know about you, but I don't know what's higher than the heavenly realms. It's really as high as it gets. Right? So you and I don't need to look for significance in your job, in your title, in your gender, in your finances, in other people. Jesus' opinion of you now makes you significant and makes you secure. And you get to rest. Now you and I can go to work. Right? We can go to work and, and if people don't treat us well, or if we don't get the promotion that you wanted or that you deserved, it's okay. Because all I have, I need, Jesus has given me. And I get to rest in that. See, the good news is that when we, when we actually come from a place of rest and we work from a place of rest, we're free then to create. We're free to work without the need to impress or without the need for that to define who I am. I was thinking about this and, and this picture of, of children just kept coming back to my mind. Most often, kids um, live out of a place of rest. They play, they make things, they laugh, they love discovering things, they're enthralled with God's creation, they're like, did you see that bug? Like, they celebrate often, right? They're not concerned with paying the bills. They're not really concerned with what others think. Often they're very not really concerned with what they're wearing. You know, they'll just put mud on whatever. Um, they don't care what their rooms look like. They are just enjoying life resting in the family that God has given them. And I think this is exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. He's not just saying you need to have faith like kids do, but you need to start out of a place of rest, living with the realization that your needs are completely cared for, that there's nothing you could do to pay for any of it now, and you get to live a life celebrating that freedom. We get to rest in the work of Christ. You get to create beautiful things. You get to go and restore. You get to play. You get to enjoy life all for the glory of God. You and I, we get to be the children of God. We get to live in the household with a father who, who's taking care of us, who's provided everything we need for life. Everything we need for life. What a, what a joy that is. What good news that is this morning. What, what a reason to celebrate who God is. Now, if we go back to the story, we see that God celebrated in creation first. Where was the next celebration? Anyone know? I know it's tough questions this morning. Next celebration. Nope, before that. What is that? Adam and Eve? Yes, right, good. Adam celebrates Eve. Really, this, we have this very first wedding. We see Adam sleeping. He wakes up. I don't know what this means with Adam and Eve, but I, I knew you were trying to say something. <laughs> Right. So Adam, Adam is sleeping, he wakes up, he kind of gets groggy, um, he's just come out of rib surgery, uh, his eyes are a little blurry, and he sees God the Father walking towards him with Eve on his arm. Instead of really this earthly father 
giving away his bride, we have this picture of the better father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, coming down the aisle with Eve as his bride prepared for Adam. And Adam wakes up and he sees the beauty like he's never seen before. And she's been prepared for him. She's perfect. And he says, whoa, man, right? Um, and, they, and they celebrate and they're naked and unashamed and they're one flesh and they celebrate the goodness of God's grace in their lives and they celebrate what he creates and what he provides. How about if we fast forward to the very end? What's the last celebration we see in the story? The whole story, yeah. We've left, we've left Genesis now. Go to Revelation. What's the, last, what's the last celebration we see in the story? New heaven and new earth. Yeah, what else? Yes, we have this wedding feast, right? And, and God and his bride. We have another wedding. We see, because we see, um, what you know from the story of Adam and Eve is, is it didn't go so well, right? Their marriage didn't go the way that one might have planned, if you can say it that way. They didn't trust God. They chose something he created over him as the creator. They looked at the fruit and they said, this fruit is going to give us wisdom that, that, can, that can provide me something better than what God has provided for me. And so sin and pain and death entered their world. Their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with one another was broken. And they hid in shame and accused one another. And accusations started to fly and things were not perfect anymore. And so if you know the story, God sends his son to make a relationship so they could be restored again, right, with him. Um, I don't know why we keep going to this, but there's a direct result of that restoration as relationships with people are restored. And so when we get to this final celebration, when we see Jesus and his bride, the church, God's people, we have this beautiful picture of an ultimate wedding feast, really, where the most perfect marriage that will last forever, that nothing can stop it, nothing can hurt it, It's this beautiful scene of God and his people once again walking naked and unashamed in relationship with one another, more perfect than you and I can ever even imagine. Can I remind you, as we think about celebrations, we need to have these scenes in mind. God celebrating what he's done. Man and woman experience the most amazing gifts of God and the future party of God and his people. That every celebration we have now is actually a reflection of the original celebration. And it's also a look forward to the future of what we get because of God's grace. It's why we believe that as God's people, we're called to celebrate. That we celebrate because of God's great grace in our lives. And I would say this, we have more to celebrate than anyone on the planet. You know, when when we celebrate, those around us would say, these are, these are the people we should be a part of. That's the best kingdom to belong to. That's the greatest party on this earth. I want to be a part of that. The church, God's people, should be the most celebratory because God has been the most gracious to you and I. You think that's how people view the church? Usually not. I wonder if it's because we've forgotten God's grace and we've concerned ourselves with too many other things many other things as you think about your parties and even as you know fourth of july is coming up um, are they so good that people are saying if we're missing out you're missing 
If you're not there, they're missing the best part of the party. When you go to parties, people say the party got better or got worse. We get to be the most celebratory people on the planet. We get to be known for celebration because God has been good to us and God celebrates all the time. If you think back to the life of Jesus, this is what Jesus did. You remember what he does when he shows up the wedding feast? He turns the water into wine. He makes the party better. But that's, but that's not all Jesus does. He demonstrates another picture of what it looks like to be at celebrations. In John 13, um, we see Jesus and his disciples to cel- celebrating the Passover. And there's a job that no one wants to do. The cleaning of the dirty, stinky, smelly feet of people walking around on the streets and in whatever kind of things drop out of people and animals and all those things. And what Jesus does is he takes off his coat and he cleans up the mess and he serves and he cleans the feet of of his disciples. I want to remind you that that's us now. We get to be called to be visual pictures of people that when we come to a party, we bring the better wine, but we also put a towel around our waist and we serve and we make the celebration better out of a reflection of who God is. And we celebrate that in the midst of it. We get to now throw the best parties and be the best celebratory people as the family of God. I want to say, if the family of God, if we, if we never celebrate together, something is wrong. If you're not celebrating in your missional community and in your home and here as a body, if we're not celebrating, something is wrong. If when we gather, you're not thankful for being here and saying, I have so much to praise God for, something is wrong. We've forgotten the grace of God given to you. That's not to to say that all the time life is peachy. There's hard things that go on in life often. I know that many, many, many times there's hard things that even we bring here and we come together when we, and we, when, when, we're, when we're together. There's a lot of heavy things that are, and a lot of brokenness that's in this world. But when, we're, when, we're, when we gather because of Jesus now, we have been blessed in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And so even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of hard things, we get to celebrate so in sorrow and difficult times we can still have joy because we know it does not end there we know it does not end with what we're experiencing right now and so we get to look forward into a into a new celebration because we know how the story ends we know it's going to get better someday and we get to celebrate god's goodness and his grace I want to call us as a family to be a people that continually celebrate His grace all the time. That we'd be a people that, that would, we'd like have to stop, can you just stop like talking about grace for a second? Like, how would that be? Like, can you guys like stop putting a smile on your face even like in the midst of this? I'm going to ask Daniel if you'd come up. I'll pray and then I'll ask Daniel to come up and he's going to lead us in another celebration of communion. And so... Father, thank you that you are good and gracious to us. We thank you that we get to celebrate um, a God who, um, who said it was finished and who completely covered uh, all of our sin and all of our brokenness at the cross and that you um, look at us and you say, well, please, son and daughter. And so, Father, we thank you that, um, that we get to live a life um, with you as our dad and that we get to live life with one another. 
and that we get to celebrate your grace and your goodness uh, through all the weeks um, and years of our lives. And so, Father, I pray that we, um, you would mold us more into that. You would give us more joy, that you would give us more grace with uh, one another, and that we would see, um, see you, uh, a beautiful picture of you each morning as we, as we awake and as we walk through the day. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.